Dr. John Easter on Together in Missions. Here is Dr. John. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this week of prayer. Come on. If, if you're a guest with us, you're thinking, I showed up on fasting week? What in the world? Hey, don't worry. Uh, you're actually at the right time, right place. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Nate, and welcome online in the church. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And you might also be wondering, uh, who is that good-looking gentleman uh, that was introducing that? His name is Doug Clay. And he is the superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And in case you didn't know this, Portland Christian Center, we are officially in our 100th year as a church. Isn't that awesome? And he will be our keynote speaker in September for a 100-year celebration. Isn't that amazing? He's coming all the way from Missouri, and it's going to be a great time. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, just a great, great time. Also, if you're new with us Man, we are so thankful. Uh, we had 54 people baptized last year, and we're just so grateful for all that God's doing. And we recognize there's a lot of new people, so uh, what, we, what we do periodically is something called Pizza with the Pastors, and that is actually today on Fasting Sunday. Yeah! yeah. So guess that, what that means? The fast starts after pizza, all right? Are we good? We're not about legalism here, we're about grace, okay? So if you're new, come enjoy as much pizza as you can and store up because this week's going to be great. Um, and one more, <laughs> isn't that funny? Also, just something else to laugh at, you ready? We have men's breakfast on Saturday. <laughs> Men show up and uh, maybe that day you're fasting social media so you can enjoy, but even if you are fasting food, just come drink some coffee or Drink water. It's all about relationship, but there will be food for those that aren't uh, fasting food that day. But again, really it is, uh, fasting is about setting aside something that maybe you do a lot or that's important to you, like food or social media or TV. Setting it aside so that you focus on the Lord. And it's about you being transformed, most importantly. And we're going to talk about that today. But I have one more last thing I want you to remember. And just say this with me, January 28th. The Huskies will be national champions. Oh, just kidding. Okay, okay. No. January 28th. January 28th. Come on, come on. It's okay. I still love the Beavers. Where are you at, Beavers? I still love you. Oh, there's more Beavers than that. Where are you? Now I'm nervous. Ducks, I love you too. Where are the Ducks? Okay, that surprises me. Okay, all right, all right. Wow, I didn't realize it. Go Huskies anyways. All right, let's get back to church. All right. Let's go. All right, all right. We don't want to start a fight in church. All right. But January 28th, January 28th, uh, we are having something called a town hall meeting, and it'll be right here. It's for membership. And the reason is, in March, we uh, have an uh, annual business meeting, and we want to update the congregation on a few uh, proposed changes to our bylaws. So what it is is an opportunity for you to ask questions, and in the lobby starting next week, you can get our bylaws and the proposed changes so that you will have two weeks to read them and be prepared so that you can ask lots of questions and be in the know, and uh, that way when March comes and the vote comes that you are ready to go. Who likes to be ready to go? Anybody else? 
likes to be ready to go. I like to be ready to go. So it's going to be a great time. So that's coming up January 28th. All right. No more commercials. No more infomercials. Um, we are just excited about what God's doing. 2024, I believe we are ready for more. I believe God has something special for every one of you. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, God has something for you? And turn to your other neighbor and say, God has something for you too. I didn't forget you. We're celebrating 100 years as a church. It's awesome. And I'm so thankful because we get to be here for such an important time as this. Some people would say, there's other places I'd rather live that may be more easier, more comfortable. But I think if you're in Portland and you're a Christian, you're on mission with, for Jesus to see Portland be transformed. Amen? And I, I believe that our next hundred years are going to be the best years our church has ever seen. Not because we're better than anybody else, but because the people behind us have done such a great job, we stand on their shoulders. We get to build upon what was already taking place. People in this room sacrifice for the seats that you're sitting on. People that are not in this room that have gone before us, they have fasted, they have prayed, they have given. And some of those people I want to honor real quick, Pastor Ray and Linda, they're in the house. Would we honor them real quick? We're so glad you're here, our former pastors. And I'm so grateful that they, we have the relationship that we do with them. They are amazing, amazing, godly people. And I was thinking about this, and I, I had Mael, um, she has this for me. When we were installed as your pastors about 18 months ago, Pastor Ray handed this to me. And it's a baton. Thank you, Mael. What'd you give it for Mael? That was beautiful. Great job. He said, he handed this to me, and he said, now get to work. And uh, it says, running the race set before you. And I just want to say this in front of our entire church and congregation, people online, that God's not done with us yet. And a baton matters because the race is only won when the baton is handed off well. If you drop the baton, you lose. We're not going to drop the baton, put people in the Christian center, are we? And here's the truth. It's not just about me or my L. This is as a family of God, Portland Christian Center. We are a city on a hill meant to light up the darkness. And that includes you, you and me. Now, in order to do that, in order for us to carry on this amazing, rich legacy, there needs to be transformation inside of all of us. And my prayer is in 2024 that we would be so fixed on Jesus, so in love with him, so passionate about what he's doing and what he's up to, that the little things that would tend to irritate us would all be washed away because we have a race to run. And we believe that God is gonna redeem our city and we're gonna see people saved across the street and around the world. Because we serve a God that builds things that last. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many are thankful that we serve a God that could build something that will last? Anybody else? Mael, can I or maybe catch that? There we go. I don't want to. We, we're not dropping the baton after that. We're going to hang on to it. 
But God builds things that last. I want to show you a picture of a tree in eastern California. That tree is 4,853 years old. It's called the Methuselah tree. And according to the ring data, it is over 4,853 years old. And it means it was well established by the time ancient Egyptians built the pyramids. I want to show you another picture. This is one of the most famous trees, the chandelier tree, 315 feet high, 21 feet in diameter. Age is a maximum of 2,400 years. We serve a God who builds things that last. In a world where things seem to become and go faster than ever, when someone's famous today and gone tomorrow, the things that we read about we don't even remember because the next storyline's coming. We serve a God who builds things that lasts. And so the question I, I want us to ask ourselves today is how is God going to continue to build his church right here at Portland Christian Center that will last? How will he do that? that and how will he do it through you? Say through me. Three. Come on, a little louder. Through me. Three. How? Today, that's what I want to talk about, how God's going to do that through us. One of the most telling ways that Jesus says he's going to build his church through his people is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And it says this, when you fast, oh no, he had to say it. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast. When you fast, fasting is giving up something like food, TV, certain things that we love to do so that you can replace that time with prayer and reading your Bible and hearing the word of God. Now, some of us do a liquid fast. Some of us fast broccoli. Some of us fast um, television, social media. There's lots of different things that you can fast. Here's what I want you to do as I'm preaching today. As I want you to ask the Holy Spirit... What do you want me to fast? What do you want me to give up so that I can have more time with you? Why would Jesus want us to pray and fast? And this is your big idea if you're taking notes this morning. I believe this. A church that builds to last will pray and fast. A church that builds to last will pray and fast. If Jesus, the Son of God needed to fast, we need to fast. And I want to illustrate it to you this way. And I want to talk to you about fasting because I believe that prayer with fasting turns up the heat in your life spiritually. A few, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I got to be careful how I say this, but um, I have not had a fever in a little bit. Knock on something, I don't know. Uh, but I've been talking, some of the people on our staff, they've been sick and they've been telling us their temperature. Do you remember during the pandemic when everybody had to have a thermometer? You couldn't go into Costco without getting your temperature checked. Anybody remember all that? And I remember we were sending our kids to school and everybody had those little gun things that take temperatures, right? And you're gunning people. And, and, and here's the thing. You were always worried. Do you have a temperature? Do you, now turn to your neighbor and say, do you? No, just kidding. Don't do that. Hopefully they're okay. But... So many things about a, a fever is that we want the fever or the temperature to go away, but 
what we must understand is that the fever actually has a purpose. When your body temperature rises, what it's doing is it's killing viruses that cannot exist when the temperature goes to a certain level. Now, obviously, we have to be careful because if you get too high, that's dangerous. We all tracking with me on this. But I believe God wants you and I to turn the temperature up spiritually in our lives. To turn the temperature up spiritually in your home. I believe that the church is not supposed to be sleeping. I believe the church is not supposed to be just status quo. I believe the church is supposed to be hungry for a move of God and to be desperate for him to do things because we live in a world that needs God's people to be full of his love and fire because we live in a cold, dark, and damp world. There should be something different about us because when you turn up the heat, things absolutely change. And I want to give you a couple uh, illustrations about this. When you think about heat, the Bible actually shows a lot of example of fire. Remember with Moses and the burning bush? The pillar of fire in the wilderness, the consuming fire on Mount Carmel, the burning coal that purifies the lips of Isaiah the prophet, the tongues of fire at Pentecost, God's consuming fire in the new heavens in Jerusalem and Hebrews. The Bible actually has lots of imagery about fire, but one of the things I want you to pay attention to very closely is what John the Baptist said about Jesus when he comes. Did you know what he says? He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Some of you are looking at me like, what in the world are you talking about? The Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is a good thing. Fire is a powerful thing. Why is fire so, so important? Because you were meant to be a light to the world. And if you're not on fire, you're not going to shine very brightly. And what we have to be careful when the heat turns up, you have to recognize things are going to start coming out when the fire gets turned up, when the heat gets turned up. In Acts 28.3 it's a story when Paul is shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And he's, he's there and they get, it says that he gathers a bundle of sticks to make a fire. And I want you to catch this in verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on Paul's hand. Who's heard this story before? It jumps on his hand and he shakes it and throws it back in the fire. Now, when the people of the, of the town see this, they first see him get bit and they think, oh, he's a bad person. He's going to die. But he doesn't die. So then they start worshiping him. They think he's a god. Well, then he ends up going up to Publius's house, who's this official, in, Acts two, in verse 8. And it says, father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him. And after prayer, can you say after prayer? After prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Prayer and fasting turns up the heat. And I, I, I don't want to like over-dramatize this, but I do believe this very truly. That some of you are hungry for a move of God. But in the past, you have not been willing to sacrifice anything. And I'm just telling you right now sacrifice precedes a great move of God. What most people don't realize is at Portland Christian Center, there have been people 
literally decades that have sacrificed so that you and I will encounter the presence of God today. Fasting turns up the heat. Prayer turns up the heat. Because a church that lasts, a church that builds to last, will pray and fast. Why is prayer and fasting so essential? And I want to give you three reasons why it's so essential. Number one, prayer and fasting transforms you first. Say me. In Mark 9, 2 through 4, it says this, After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led him up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there he appeared before them, Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. One of the most wild stories you'll find in Scripture. How did this happen and when did this happen? Jesus went on a prayer retreat with just three of his disciples. They're up there on the mountain and they're praying. And what happens? He changes. His face changes. Many times we go into prayer and fasting because we want God to change something about our circumstances. We would like the relationships in our lives. We know that the people around us, they're the problem. It couldn't be me. Anybody else? So don't, don't hit your neighbor or your spouse. You see, prayer with fasting, it actually changes you so that you reflect Jesus to this world. Last night, um, our son Tate uh, was not behaving the way that he was, should be behaving, and he was in timeout. Yes, yes, timeout. And Myelle and I were in our room, and uh, we were folding some laundry, and we can hear Tate on the baby monitor, and he's praying. And you want to know what he said? He is praying, Dear Jesus, please change mom's heart. Isn't it true that oftentimes our prayers are like, God, get me out. God, save me from this situation. God, heal this, do that. And I know he's all about those things, but I believe that he is far more interested in your character than what you get from him. He wants you to become like Christ, not just get everything you want. And the reason that we go through things, the reason that we turn up the heat is that our hearts will be, will be melted and molded and shaped the way Christ would want us to behave and live our lives. Because if you're like me, I can get so busy doing the same things over and over and over, same prayers. Prayer with fasting, it's like it just sh it shakes me right back to where God wants me to be. Because when I spend time with God, he changes me. He changes me. When I fast, I'm not starving myself. I'm actually feeding my spiritual soul. And what most people don't realize, the breakthrough that you're looking for actually begins inside of you first. And all of your parents will probably be rejoicing when you transform. You see, 
Building to last looks like a church that prays and fasts. The second thing that will happen if you pray and fast is prayer and fasting empowers you to see miracles. That same story, Jesus up on the mountain, he transfigured, he changed. Then he comes down the mountain and the disciples and a bunch of people bring this boy to him and he's having epileptic seizures and they can't heal him. They've been praying, they've been seeing all these things happen and he comes before Jesus and Jesus heals him. And then I want to read to you a really important verse in Mark 9, 28 through 29, the New King James Version. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, the boy's been healed. His disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, if you have your Bibles out, I, I, it's really important that I, that I help you see this. Not all of the Bibles that we have, different translations, will have that word fasting in there. In fact, this story is told in, Ma- in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in some of the passages, they don't even tell this part. And, and why is that? The reason is the earliest manuscripts, they just say with prayer. Now, the majority of the manuscripts, they say prayer with fasting. Did you know, maybe you didn't know this, but there are over 5,800 Greek manuscripts in the New Testament. In addition, there are 10,000 Latin manuscripts and 9,300 manuscripts in other languages. That's over 20,000 manuscripts of your New Testament. Isn't that awesome? And so what, what, what we're reading here, and this is important for you to see, is that some translations look at what was the oldest, the first manuscript, and you'll see that in your Bible. And others will say, okay, what did the most of the translations say? And they'll put that in. Here's what I want you to hear, is that prayer and fasting is actually found throughout the New Testament. It's found in the Old Testament. And if you're thinking, man, God just wants me to starve, that's just not the case. If you look in the Old Testament, did you know that there was only one festival meant for fasting, and then there were seven other festivals that are all feasts? Hallelujah! Anybody else love to enjoy a party with food? Am I the only one? That's our God. He's a celebratory God. He knows how to party. He actually instituted in the Jewish calendar when they would have feasts and party. In fact, did you know that one of the things that Jesus was actually attacked for was the fact that he ate and drank too much? The Pharisees and the tax collectors would say, why aren't you fasting? Why aren't you doing the disciples? And he said, because when I am here, I am the bridegroom, it's time to party. But there will be a time when I will go away, and then the time for mourning and fasting will come. It would be really weird on your wedding day if you decided to starve yourself. Anybody else with me on that? I I, uh, got to do do a wedding not too too long ago um, for the Lewis's. And uh, the food was phenomenal. In fact, if you ask people about how a wedding was, you know what they say? How was the food? Well, they say the bride looks beautiful and the food was great, the venue, blah, blah, blah. But they all usually ask about the food. It is amazing how much we care about food, isn't it? In our culture, it's a very sensitive topic to even talk about it. But we have to understand that there, like we said last week, There is a season for everything. There's a season for feasting, and there's a season to say no. 
And we have to remember when God tells you to obey, when you don't obey, you miss out on his blessing. Here's what I mean by that. Eve and Adam ate their way out of paradise. Hello? Esau, he gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew. When God, this is not about legalism, this is about obedience. When we're called to prayer and fast, we are, we are turning up the temperature and we're saying, God, I will put everything else aside. I will set time, it's just me and you, and I'm going to see you do an amazing thing in my life. I love you. I praise you. And you transform me. And then what happens? He empowers you. And we see miracles. We see people healed. We see people transformed. We see lives set free in Jesus' name. I remember growing up in our church, and uh, I would be downstairs in the kids' area, and after church, I'd be outside, and a, a deacon or a, one of the people at the church would always say, wow, Nate, are you ready for fasting? And I'd be like, what are you guys talking about? Well, your dad just said you guys aren't watching TV all month. What? <laughs> and I remember just being totally shocked. What just happened? And sure enough, I get home and the TV's unplugged, it's put away. And guess what we're doing? Our Bibles are out and we're praying. As funny as that is, I remember that season very carefully because the church grew exponentially that year. Not only did it grow exponentially, but we saw people healed, we saw people get saved, we saw lives transformed. Why? Because we got serious enough to say, God, turn the temperature up in our lives. Change me. I want to see miracles. I want to see people. There's people in this church right now that I am praying for right now. I have you in my prayer journal. Why? Because you're going through cancer. Because you've lost loved ones. Because you're hurting. When you're a pastor, you get to see things like this and you're like, Lord, touch them. I'll give up some food if you will heal them. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord. I'm desperate. I'm hungry. And what if we had an entire church that felt the same way? I believe we have people here that are starting to get it, that we want to say yes to you, Jesus. I'm so tired of going through the motions of doing the same thing over and over. I just want more of you. 2024 is the season for more. If you say yes to more, you got to say no to something else. What are you going to say no to? What are you going to say no to? The last and final thing that I want you to know is prayer and fasting changes your perception by changing your focus. Prayer and, prayer and fasting changes your perception by changing your focus. I see this happen all the time with people. They're distracted and focused on things that really don't matter. I was watching a video. I was going to play it, but I, I didn't think it would be worth it. But I'll just demonstrate it for you. Maybe you've seen this. She had her cell phone, and she's walking right into a fountain. Face first right into the fountain. And you know what her major concern is? Where's my phone? We are more distracted, more confused. We have more information than anybody ever would need, and yet less power. 
I'm ready to trade that out, are you? I want more power. But it starts with my perception. I've got to focus. I've got to focus on what Jesus is doing. Because here's the thing. I've tried it in my own strength. Anybody else? And I don't get anywhere. I love this quote from Mark Batterson. He says, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Prayer changes your focus. You may be aware of this, but in 1990 in Burleson, Texas, a group of teenagers were so desperate for God, they started a little prayer meeting in their house. And they started something called See You at the Pole. And as they're praying, they decided to launch this thing, and they showed up to their school, and just a few of them got around their flagpole, and they started praying. And I want to show you a picture, not the original one, but that's our church That's Hilltop Academy, early academy, by the way. If you have a preschooler or kindergartner, enroll them today. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That little prayer meeting started off something like this. But this year, more than 2 million students from 50 states participated in See You at the Pole, and more than 20 different countries took place in See You at the Pole this year. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. He wants to change what you see. He wants to change your eyes. He wants to give you clarity. Because you might be fighting a battle that's physical, but it's actually a spiritual battle. Ephesians says the weapons that we fight with are not flesh and blood enemies, but principalities and powers of darkness. The world we live in, There is a supernatural spiritual realm that you and I need to fight. And we don't do that by arguing with each other. We do that on our knees. Prayer and fasting changes your perception by changing your focus. In Matthew 6, 16 through 18, it says this. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put, on oil on, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is, what does it say? Unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A church that builds to last will pray and fast. As you're listening to me this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is beginning to stir something inside of you. I believe God is about to turn the heat up at Portland Christian Center in a good way. Because we have a race to run, church. The first hundred years were marvelous. Just like any other timeline, it had its highs, it had its lows, but people kept running. They kept passing the baton. They didn't give up. Why? Because their focus was on Jesus, that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. Will you run this race with us? Will you say yes to prayer and fasting? Will you say yes to turning up the heat? Because here's the truth. 
If we don't turn up the heat, who will? If we don't do it, who's gonna do it? And I'm here to say, not on my watch. We're not letting Portland go to hell. We're gonna pray, we're gonna fast, we're gonna believe that God is not done with our city yet. Anybody else with me on that? God is not done with our city yet. Would you stand with me? And I want you to just stay in an attitude of, of prayer and get ready because I believe God's got something great for you. Prayer with fasting changes your focus so that you can see. Would you close your eyes and put your hand over your heart? I believe the Holy Spirit is about to do something great right now. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for every person with their hands over their heart right now. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help us to see what you're up to. That we would partner with you, Jesus. That as we fast and we pray that we would see breakthrough in 2024. Our best days are right in front of us. So Lord, we pray right now, do it in us first. Do it in me first, Lord. Transform my heart. Transform my mind. Renew my thoughts. A church that builds to last will pray and fast. I pray for your church right now in Jesus' name. That as we sing this next song and we begin to worship you, that our hearts will be transformed. Jesus, would you just begin to lift your hands with me? Let's turn this church into a prayer meeting just for a moment, a worship meeting, a prayer time with him. Jesus, do what only you can do. Melt our hearts, Lord. Change our minds, our attitudes. Forgive us where we've been complacent. Forgive us when we've let other things get in the way of our relationship with you. Father, I pray for all of us that you would begin to stir in our hearts a desire, an affection, and a love for you greater than anything that else could satisfy. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Pastor Christelle, can we sing this song? Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.